Hello and welcome to the B Team Podcast. My name is John Macy. Tonight I am joined by Josh Krubner. Hello. And we are going to be reviewing uh, Spider-Man Across the Spider-Verse. Um, this will be our first attempt at one of these movies, as the first one predates the show by about, I don't know, two years, three years, something like that. Yeah, I, w- I wasn't sure if we covered the last one or not. No, we did not, actually. Um, maybe before the third one comes out, we'll go back and retro it or something, but um, this will be our first crack at one of these. Uh, so obviously this is the second uh, animated film with Miles Morales at its center. I guess we should talk about maybe since we didn't do anything with the first movie, I guess we should talk about maybe um, our general thoughts on the character before seeing this. Uh, why don't you start? Because I'm guessing mine's probably going to be a little bit longer than yours. I mean, when he was created for the Ultimate Universe as a replacement for Peter, it was fine. I mean, they've they've done that with various characters throughout. You know, the most common ones I could think of for DC would be Kyle Rayner after Hal Jordan. And then, uh, you know, well, obviously Wally West was always a character, but him taking over the role for Barry after Barry died back in the 80s. You know, uh, the problem with Miles Morales is and we'll we'll get into this, I'm sure, because we are both Spider-Man fans to the point that we've even, you know, started cracking into the clone saga. Um, yeah, we gotta get back to Spider-Man that. has a lot of personality mm-hmm. and Miles does not. <laughs> you know, Miles, there are so many, you know, legacy characters or as, you know, we in comics gate like to call them token characters. Some of them are not that bad. Some of them are, are absolutely cartoonishly insufferable, like you know, the comic version of what became of America Chavez, um, that would be a welcome change to Miles, who is just so fucking boring and forgettable. Okay. Um, you know, it has nothing to do with his race. It has nothing to do with the characters, you know, life and friends and all that. It's just his personality does not work for me at all. Yeah. Uh, I think I'm a bigger fan of this character than you are, but I do think there are some, some of what, I believe that some of what you say has merit as well. Um, I am a really big fan of this character, actually. Um, Obviously, I think you and I both started reading Spider-Man comics in the 80s. Um, So, obviously, you know, I've been a fairly regular reader of the stuff since then. Definitely since, you know, definitely since the the 90s. And I've gone back and read pretty much everything uh, once... Once Comixology got to the point where, like, the really old, expensive stuff was available for, like, two bucks an issue, I just made it my job to collect all of Amazing Spider-Man and stuff, and I've since read most of that starting from one, and I'm, I've am i been waterlogged in the middle of the Clone Saga for about six months now. Um, but uh, with Miles, I mean, I was not a huge... I had not read anything from the Ultimate Universe when he was first introduced and then i heard this idea of you know in the ultimate universe peter's gonna die and they're gonna replace him with this younger kid who's gonna have similar powers and stuff and just out of and you know very rarely with some of the really long-term characters that a lot of these comics have do you get the opportunity to go in on something on the ground floor like this and uh his first regular series appearance not the ultimate fallout thing i've since gone back and read that um his first regular series appearance was the first 
ultimate comic I ever bought. And uh, I've actually really liked everything they've done with him. But I do agree with you that the, the I, I would think I think I've read every uh, main continuity comic between the Ultimate Universe and and six one six that he's been in. Um, I do agree with you that the he does have I don't want to call it a personality problem. But just the way that he's written, like, he doesn't have, um, he kind of doesn't have his own personality, and everything that he does is framed through the people around him, almost, and his reactions to them. Um, you, you hit the nail on the head, yeah. uh, and I have examples I'll share with you once you are done with your intro to Miles, because, again, if, if you, obviously you, but anybody listening likes the character, I'm not saying don't like the character, I'm just explaining why he doesn't work for me. Yeah, no, I, and I would say that too. I abs- I'm a huge fan of this character, and I really like a lot of the things they've done with him in the, especially, and the problem I also think if you, you know, if you read the, uh, the ultimate stuff, I think the ultimate stuff is better because it's its own separate thing. Peter's not around, obviously, because he's inspired by Peter's death to do it anyway. I think. As much as I have enjoyed a lot of the stuff they've done with him post Secret Wars, where he's in the six one six, I do think he does sort of just kind of inherently because I don't think they're ever really going to get rid of Peter in six one six, nor do I think they should. But I don't think he's ever going to become more than any, anything than like a second class character who will have a fan base because I'm guessing he does have a fairly large fan base to some degree. Uh, but I don't think he's ever going to get to, unless they do some period where Peter does die for a couple of years and he is Spider-Man for some period of time, uh, I don't think he's ever going to get to that le- same level that Peter is on. Well, I mean, they kind of did that with Superior, and then like they briefly killed Peter, like uh, I don't know, like a year ago for like a minute, and they tried that again. Yeah, but I mean, unless they really did a thing where they took him off literally like legit took him off the table for a couple of years. I don't know how you would, how you're going to get miles past. Like I will say though, I think he is one of the few, uh, we'll call it legacy characters. I know that's the term that DC uses. I think he's one of the few legacy characters Marvel has done and they don't do it half as often as DC does. He's one of the few legacy characters that they've done that has worked. Um, I mean, Marvel, especially now, has a ton of legacy characters. Uh, and don't forget, they, they had a ton that they started in the 90s, you know, yep. albeit in a what-if future continuity. But, I mean, you know, Spider-Woman, Spider-Girl had, like, 50 issues back then. Oh, that MC2 thing, yeah. I don't know that I ever read any of that. Yeah, um, yeah. Yeah, I'd have to go back and look oh, that was, for that. I mean, I would say it was great, but it was, it was very 90s. If you like, you know, the epitome of 96, 97, you'll enjoy it. Nice. Uh, anyway, yeah, so this is the, the second movie around this character. Um, the first one was a fairly big success for Sony. I believe I read somewhere that it was made for $35 million, and I think it came out at like 300 350 somewhere in that range. So obviously there was going to be a sequel to this. I mean, I thought the animation style was really something I'd never seen uh, at that time. Um, and 
really did a lot for me. It actually was, uh, it came out right around my birthday in 18. I think I went to it, a couple of my work friends took me to it for my birthday. So we had a really fun time with it. Um, I do kind of wish they uh, hadn't taken so long to get to this one. Uh, but if they, you know, I thought it was a fairly high quality film to begin with. So if they had to take that much time to get it to where they thought it needed to be, sure, great. Um, I do have some gripes with the movie as a whole, just from a plotting standpoint. Uh, I don't really, I mean, there's some character stuff we can talk about too, um, but most of the character stuff I didn't really have a problem with, except Miles seems to have the same basic problem he has in the books here too, where he doesn't seem to have much of a personality on his own, and it's all through the the character relations rather than what he actually wants or i mean he talks in general terms in this movie about getting out of getting out of new york and having a broader life than that but that's about it um so i guess we can do the quick plot run that we normally try to do i'm not gonna i'm gonna try not to go too you know because we don't want this to be super long but i i don't want to I also saw this like a week and a half. No, I mean, I've, I've got time for as long as it takes, you know. Okay. I just got to clock out at eight. Okay, I thought you were doing it, trying to do it in an hour so get back to work. Um, no, it doesn't matter today. <laughs> okay. Uh, so basically, we start off, it's about a, it's supposed to be about a year after the last movie. So he is now 16-ish. Um, I also, knowing the comics, I also kind of, I don't hang up on it, but if if this was his early stretch, like he's supposed to be younger than this. Cause I think when he gets the powers in the comics, he's like 12. Yeah. He's like 12 or 13. I mean, yeah. I think they, they changed that. They made him like perpetually 15, 16. Cause yeah. you know, in the first yeah. movie, obviously they were but sophomores in high school, I think they definitely aged him up a little bit for this. And he's definitely been aged up slightly in the comics as well. Um, but uh, so it starts off and he's, you know, he is the sole Spider-Man in this world, obviously, because you had the the Chris Pine version of Peter who dies at the beginning, and then he gets bit by the other spider. Um, and so he's doing some stuff. He has a he has a meeting with like a guidance counselor with his parents uh, because he's kind of fucking around in school because he's busy being Spider-Man. Um, so then he gets called away from that, where they do have a conversation about how he wants to, you know. I think he calls out going to MIT or something, right? He wants to do, yeah. He wants to do like really high level research about interdimensional stuff that you can't get. That you know, he says you can't do it in New York. Um, well, don't forget the, the last movie obviously introduced the concept of the multiverse. He was from, you know, he, we thought that he was the prime world that like we're all on, we're following him, and we find out that's not the case. Uh, we get that confirmed in this movie, but I think it's definitely alluded to in, in the last movie because of the older Peter. Um, so there was the whole thing was the Alchemex Collider, which is basically like the Large Hadron Collider. Um, yep. And now he's like obsessed with it. And right. everyone else is obsessed with it, which brings in the quote unquote villain. Although I, I would say someone else is the clear villain of this movie. Right, right. And I should mention actually that if that if you were confused as to who the center of this movie was at first, I wouldn't blame you because in actuality, the first it starts this, with Gwen. This is a this is a long movie for an animated movie, and I, I knew it was going to be longer going in, but I mean, 
most animated movies to me clock at about an hour forty. This is a legit. Two, yeah. This is a legit two fifteen. Um, and which, it's you know billed as like a half a movie or, or definitely a a part one, even yeah. though it's part two. Yeah, they didn't. I noticed that wasn't in the title now, but it was like when they were doing all the trailers and stuff. It was clearly billed as a part one. Um, so the first like fifteen minutes of this movie are are uh, Spider Gwen played by Haley Steinfeld where she's doing stuff and and she uh you know they lay out the whole thing they lay out what her origin is where uh her best friend was Peter Parker and she gets bit by the spider instead of him and then he becomes like a version of the lizard, lizard. yeah and she ends up fighting him and indirectly killing him and stuff which i think is pretty close to the actual comic origin if i recall i haven't read every single thing that that character's done but I've seen... Yeah, no, that's that's pretty much one-on-one. Yeah. Um, so, like, the first 15 minutes or 20 minutes are this. And it was, you know, I'm not opposed to that, but then I literally was, like, about halfway through it, I was literally like, how much longer are we going to go before Miles shows up? Like, isn't that the point of this? Um, you know, and then she she's doing some stuff, and she encounters... Um, I guess it was Jessica Drew played by Issa Rae. Um, yeah. And it's the, you know, they, they clearly model it after the later uh, Marvel Now version. Of the It's that that costume, and she's pregnant, which was a big thing in the later comics where she, like, she got knocked up by the porcupine and has a kid and stuff. Um, I wasn't a huge fan of this version of the character like i don't care about the race swap or any of that i just she just came off as kind of a stooge um and it just didn't do a whole lot for me um and also we have miguel o'hara uh spider-man 2099 played by oscar isaac who is a character i unabashedly love um love all that, love all that 2099 stuff um still to this day like they they have done Marvel's done a bunch of mini series bringing that character back. They just wrapped one up recently, actually. Um, still a huge fan of that. Um, was kind of you know was really excited to see they were actually using that character in this one. I know he he had been in. I think he was in like the post credit scene for the first one. Or he was in the post credit scene of the first one, played as a joke because he goes to like the uh, the meme of you know sixty Spider Man with the pointing from the desk. Right. And there were several, there was an actual joke with that in this movie, I believe. Just a bunch of right. people pointing at each other. They did the, the clone pointing thing, yeah. Right. So, uh, so yeah, she, Gwen is recruited, to, you find out eventually that Gwen is recruited to this group group of spider people that is supposed to be protecting the sanctity of the multiverse, basically. Um, and that, you know, I guess if the spiders are the big heroes in these worlds, then sure. I guess just knowing the larger Marvel universe, I'm kind of like, really, that's who you give that to. But okay. I mean, you're set, you're, you have a world where basically the spider characters are your main heroes pretty much everywhere. Um, so that's, I guess that's just something you're going to have to give it. Um, so then, uh, we are introduced to the spot who is a pretty much a C team Marvel villain, that this movie does its damnedest to elevate. Um, 
And they basically, they kind of retcon the guy into, you know, they say that he was somebody that worked on the the uh, Alchemax Collider and that he was exposed to, rate. I believe it was radiation exposure during the, the fight that blew it up in the first yeah. movie. And it turned him into this, like, entirely white dude with no face and whatever that just has, like, black spots all over him. And he finds he can uh, can just move through them through space and time and whatever. And I mean, you know, they do a lot of stuff in the comics where like Spider-Man will be fighting him and like a spot will pop out in front of him and like the spots arm will just come out and punch him in the face, you know, stuff like that. Uh, So there's a fight early on between them. And I believe the spot escapes that. Um, And eventually at one point, I think miles basically throws him into one of his own spots and he realizes that he can, uh, that he can transit between universes through them as well. Uh, actually, he I was actually surprised that there were live action bits in this movie. I had no idea they were going to do that. Um, yeah, that was weird. And he actually ends up in the Venom universe, and he, the spot goes to that, just ends up in that convenience store with that old Chinese woman. Mm-hmm. Um, and there's a short interaction between them. Um Miles is uh, eventually approached by Gwen uh, because you find out that this uh, elite team that she's on, or the thing that she claims is an elite team, uh, has found something that needs to be fixed in his world. We figure out that that has to do with the spot because he's doing something. Um, And then, you know, there's stuff early on about how, you know, Miles has had no contact with any of the other spider people in the last year and you know they're like the only friends he has other than you know one thing i think these movies miss is and you know i don't know how much miles stuff you've actually read but one thing i think these movies miss because they kind of stole it for the the holland movies is uh genki who is basically the basis for ned in yeah the holland movies um a lot of the stuff between Genki and Miles in the comics is, you know, I mean, I want to say it's hysterical. I mean, I'm a 45-year-old man, but, I mean, it reminded me of the kind of stuff that, like, my best friend and I would go on about when we were that age, you know. Right. Maybe modernized to, like, we didn't give a shit about Legos when we were 16 or whatever. But, I mean, (laughs) just basically that same kind of tone. And, like, he doesn't really have – this version of Miles doesn't really have anybody, like – when he's in the when he's in the boarding school or whatever, he has a roommate who is sort of vaguely alluded to be Genki, but he never really interacts with him to any great extent. And like all of his friends are basically the other spider people. Um, so Gwen shows up and she's sort of evasive about like, well, yeah, I haven't really had time to to check in with you at all uh, or anything, and so they. They deal with the spot stuff, and he gets dragged in. I forget exactly what gets him to the to the uh, the rest of the spider people. Does he just he follows her even though he's not supposed to? Right? They're trying to keep. Yeah, him he just of... he just goes along with her, and then she's like, "Well, you know, you're not on the team." But right. So then you find out that it's not really a team. There's millions of them, right? Like she tries to make it seem like there it's this elite thing. But there's fucking millions of them. It's like every variation of Spider-Man you could possibly think of from anything they've ever done is somewhere in here. 
Um, yeah. And I just, I mean, I know it's a couple of scenes. They're not really that big of a deal. But I was just enjoying, like, looking at all of it and going, like, oh, hey, there's that and there's that. I'm, I'm guessing when this hits home video, I'm going to uh, freeze frame a couple of those scenes and just go through them with a fine-tooth comb and see how many of these different things I can identify. Because uh, it was really... It was really fun to see some of that stuff and the different animation styles on some of it. I mean, they have there's a version of Ben Riley played by uh, Andy Samberg, who uh, was basically just looks like they took the comic and just cut it out and stuck it on the frame. I mean, yeah, thought was a really interesting way to do that. That was one. And he's not a huge part of this movie, but that was one that I kind of didn't really like. I thought it was funny with the way he plays it, but I also didn't think that they. I think they didn't really take a lot of what Ben actually is and they just went, Oh, nineties Spider Man will make them all angsty and shit. And it's like That's exactly what they yeah, they they have no idea who he is. Yeah, and it's like that's not what Ben was. That's what Peter was at that time. And that's what mm-hmm. Ben was the reaction to that. But we've talked about that in other places, so I don't want to belabor that too much. And I'm sure we'll get back to the the comic clone saga at some point soon, because I do have to finish reading that still. Um but uh, yeah, so there's that. There's I like the reference to Peter Parked Car, the spider buggy. Was cool to see that too. Um, so then there's a scene between him and and uh, Gwen where he's introduced to Miguel and he gets the whole spiel about like, you know, this is we're here to protect the the multiverse and stuff. And this is where the movie start not loses me but i start to get like what what in the sense of you know they go to um spider-man india's world who if you don't know and i mean depending on how deep your enjoyment of everything spider goes in marvel they did have there was an alternate universe version of spider-man that's pretty much exactly what they lay out here i've never read any of it but i've kind of read the wiki on it and like, I mean, he was he was in the uh, the original Spider Verse tie-ins. That's you know, yeah. So I mean, they go to that world, and he, you know, there's the spot shows up there. He's the spot's deal is that he's basically trying to um, get to every world with a working Alchemax Collider because he can like steal energy off of them, and it just makes them more powerful for each one that he each one that he encounters. Um, so, and they. They hook up with Spider-Man India, played by Chiron Sony, who's also uh, the cab driver in the Deadpool movies. Um, and he was quite funny. I actually really enjoyed a lot of that stuff. Um, mm-hmm. the, the bit where he was explaining, like, you know, I have perfect hair and everything's awesome, and I don't, re- I go to school, but I don't have to try that hard, and like, I have this awesome girlfriend, or whatever. And it was like, wait, where's the? Uh, I guess I'm so used to every Spider character having angst and bullshit that I was like, wait, where's the? This doesn't seem right to me. Okay. Um, so here's where we start to get into the thing that kind of bugs me about this movie. And I get what they were doing, I guess. I just... I, Ripping off Legends of Tomorrow? <laughs> yeah, if you want to call it that. I guess I didn't even really think of it in those terms because it's been a while since I watched that. But um, So they have this... They explain this whole thing about canon events, which are... I mean, if you're a Star Trek or a Doctor Who person, I think Doctor Who calls them fixed points in time, basically, where... Which is what Legends calls them, yeah. Right, where no matter what you do in terms of, like, 
going back through time and trying to correct something, there are certain things that can't be corrected. Right. But what this what this movie posits is that, you know, every Spider-Man has to have some kind of tragic turn in order to uh, motivate them to do what that position requires, right? So Miles, not knowing that, um, he interjects himself into what would end up being Spider-Man India's canon event where his girlfriend's father is the George Stacy equivalent and he's about to die and Miles goes in and stops it not knowing that, you know, this is a thing that was it implied that Spider-Man India had to fail in doing this or that he just had to be the one to make the attempt, I guess, was my... The way the movie explained it was the person just has to die. Like, the Spider-Man doesn't even have to be there, which made no sense. Yeah. None of it made any sense, but I mean that made even less sense than it could right. have. Right. Because here, here's where I hung up, right? So then, because Miles interfered, and this actually, this isn't where I hung up, but we'll get there in a minute. Um, because Miles interferes and Spider-Man India does not actually experience this, it starts to tear apart the fabric of of the Spider-Man India universe. So a bunch of the other Spider-People go in and basically do something that they don't really explain to try to stabilize it, I guess. And then we never really go back to that, and it's just kind of left at, like, he has to go and do this, I guess. So um, then we get this big, long explanation of... They go back to the Spider-Base, and Miguel basically gives him this big, long explanation about and this is where i thought it was kind of bullshit okay like it was so it just came off to me as so general and like Mm -hmm. i I don't know what you think but like the whole point of spider-man to me was that yes somebody important to this character does have to die in order to give them that inspiration but you know this movie makes it so simple and I don't know if this is for the benefit because it's supposed to ostensibly be a children's movie and they're trying to dumb it down to some degree, but I think Miguel even says, like, every Spider-Man is defined by the death of a police chief. And I was just police like... Police captain, yeah. Really? I mean, George Stacy is not the fucking defining thing for Peter Parker. You know, he just isn't. Um, so what you find out is that Miles' father, who's actually a cop in this universe, is about to be promoted to chief um i i've never liked the idea that miles father was a cop but i get that they can't use what he actually was because that's owned by disney um he was actually a in the ultimate universe and they have made reference to it in the in the when they carried that whole group of characters over to the 616 as well he was a lapsed shield agent uh so he he basically wasn't after he marries his wife he was a criminal with the brother for a period of time and then he joined Shield as part of like a a I mean I think Fury intervened and got him out of jail uh, mm-hmm. and he joined he joined Shield as a or as a result so they make him a cop because they can't use that I'm guessing um, so this is where I hang up right so he goes back to the Spider Base and. As I said, Miguel gives him this big, long speech about how important canon events are and blah, blah, blah. And the whole idea is that they're basically going to hold Miles prisoner so that his father can die 
and then that will somehow yeah. that will somehow inspire him to be the protector of that universe or whatever. Here's where I which is why I said that that version of Miguel is clearly the villain in this movie. Right. And I I I figured that out as soon as he showed up basically. I mean or at least mm-hmm. once he showed up and Miles is there during the first scene when he shows up to Gwen, I was like, okay, there wasn't enough given there to show that he was that. But the minute you see him uh, uh, in conversation with Miles, I was like, this guy's the villain. Of course he is. Like, you know, but I guess my hang up was more like, I get this idea that, yes, maybe that maybe the way this is structured or maybe the thing they're taking from Spider-Man in general is that, yeah, those deaths are important and whatever. I just thought it was funny that like the mile, like you said, Miles doesn't even have to be there. He just, he's just like, he just has to die. And I would think the whole thing would be, you know, not the formative thing is not him dying. The formative thing is Miles trying to stop it and failing. So exactly. Like, so like, isn't, shouldn't the whole fixed point in time thing be like, whatever you do to stop this, you're going to fuck up and he's going to die. Um, yeah. And the whole, I have a feeling, and I mean, we can talk about part, we're probably going to end up talking about part two conjecture to some extent anyway, but I would think the whole thing is going to be, you know, they're going to, the all the other spider people are going to spend the next movie telling him like, yeah, you can't prevent this, doesn't matter what you do. Uh, he's going to be the one to go like, yeah, you can. And he's somehow going to find a way to, save the dad and still, you know, and not have the universe go kablooey. Um, so I guess I was, I just kind of hung up on like, well, that's fucking stupid. Like the whole thing should be that no matter what he does, it's going to happen either way. Not, we're just going to, well, keep the him. other thing that the movie sets up is that miles isn't a real Spider-Man. Oh yes. There's the whole thing about, cause they say that the, um, so like he he's not bound by any of it. He can do whatever the fuck he wants. Right. The movie says that the the spider that bit him is not actually from the universe he is from. That the spot somehow brought that spider over from another universe and that it it bit Miles at that point. So there so uh at one point they go blasting through I think the spider base is in uh Miguel's future version of New York. And there was a whole big, somewhat complicated thing about, like... And I thought this just added a level to it that was not needed, really. Like, um, this version of Miguel went... went Who, you know, they say in generalities that he is less happy about being Spider-Man, which was a big part of that, that comic. Like, he was not the happy-go-lucky, bouncing-around-cracking-jokes Peter type... But he wasn't like Batman. He was just kind of like this whole thing kind of blows. Um, yeah, you know. But uh, they make intimations that he's had to do some less than moral stuff to uh, do what he does. But then there's a whole thing about um, does he actually kill the other version of himself, or does that person die and he just kind of steps in? That person dies and he just kind of steps in. Right. So I didn't really think any of this was needed. Like you could have just said he had a wife and a kid. Like, I don't know that you need this whole thing where he replaces like 
the general audience barely knows anything about this character to begin with. So like, why do you need, mm-hmm. this, why do you need this whole thing of like, he, re- he replaced this other version of himself who happened to die. You could just say like, yeah, he had a wife and kid. Then that wife and kid died and he felt like shit. Um, and you basically get the same end result. Uh, so the other thing I thought was interesting and another area where, I kind of felt like they, this was a thing that I feel like they wrote to, um, to either stretch it out, knowing they were going to stretch it out to a second film. Like, eventually the, uh, Peter B. Parker, the schlubby one played by Jake Johnson shows up and he's Mm -hmm. like, Hey, how you doing? You know, sorry, I haven't checked in or whatever for all this time. What you find out, in the course of that, before the big reveal that, you know, Miles was not intended to be a spider person, was that um, all the other people that he had been friends with from the previous film were sort of encouraged by Miguel not to interact with him because Miles is viewed as, like, the ultimate anomaly to this multiverse because he was never supposed to be a Spider-Man, right? The problem... I, I like that idea... The problem I had with that as relates to the Jake Johnson Peter is I don't think from what they established that character to be that he would give a flying fuck about anything Miguel said. Exactly. Which he very clearly doesn't for a lot of this movie anyway. So, like, they kind of established that he's just like, yeah, whatever, I'll do whatever the fuck I feel like. Mm. So then why why wouldn't why would he keep to that? Why wouldn't he like pop in and check on Miles every couple months or whatever? Um and I guess my other thing with that is like what we find out between movies is that he's he's with Mary Jane again. They have a they have a kid. Mayday Parker exists in this world, I guess. Um mm-hmm. and during this scene where all these spider people are chasing after Miles to try to control him, uh Peter B. Parker pulls him aside and has him hiding somewhere, and he says, you know what? I was really inspired by you when we met, and, you know, you you made me want to have this kid because I was hoping it would turn out like you. And to me, like, that's fine. I think that's, that's an, a nice character thing for that version of the character, but if this guy really felt that way about him, I have a hard time believing if Miguel was like, don't talk to him, he would have been like, oh, okay, yeah. Sure. Yeah, exactly. I don't know. So that that stuff kind of bugged me. There's a lot of stuff with Gwen that is fine. I just don't particularly care for that character, like because there's no mm-hmm. there's no comparative. Like you don't see like like Miles has no attachment to a to a Gwen Stacy, and that's one of the other things that I think they haven't really done in the comics is because a lot of the other characters aren't all that important. He has no you know, like, I feel like the the only character, if you were to look at the comics, like, would be some version of the mom or the dad that, like, mm-hmm. would be that important to him. Um, so there's a lot of stuff about, you know, between Gwen and her dad, who, you know, I don't know if that actor voicing her dad was supposed to be somebody that we we're supposed to know. Um, but... Uh, yeah, I don't remember who it was. Yeah, there's a lot of stuff about, you know, because he's the chief of police and... And uh, he's, or was he the, he was about to be chief, I think. And then captain. Yeah. Oh, captain. Okay. Yeah. So he, uh, she basically outs herself to him toward the end there. 
and he mm-hmm. stops being a cop. He quits being a cop because he's like, I don't want to have to chase my own kid. Um, so yeah, there's this whole thing about you know they're trying to prevent Miles from getting back to his own universe to save the dad, which makes no fucking sense to me at all. Like, you know, like I said earlier, like wouldn't the whole crucible of it be trying to do it and not succeeding? Like just keeping him somewhere doesn't, you know, how does that inspire him? If like a bunch of other weirdos kept me away from my father and he died rather than, you know, something killed my father and I couldn't stop it. It's kind of like the Superman thing. Um, right. The other question, question i had right and let me know if you read this the same way kind of seemed to me like the 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 alternate version of jessica drew was going to kill the dad so yeah it did it absolutely did she was like like, the assassin for miguel yeah so like so the whole canon event is that you know that is supposed to be confined to your own universe is that some weirdo from another universe is going to kill my father and I'm not gonna be well, able to. Miles had the initial vision, and it was the spot. But then, obviously, they changed those events. They weren't going to happen anymore. So, unless that plays out exactly as it would have to have some kind of intervention. Yep. Um. Yeah. So, I mean, I just I think they had this kind of neat science fiction idea about you know fixed points in time and stuff, and and all that, all that, and you know. Uh, uh, determinism and destiny and all that stuff and then they kind of like overdid it so much that it was I was even as a as an experienced comic reader and, and science fiction reader and all that kind of stuff even I was doing fucking mental gymnastics watching this kids movie trying to go like how the I, fuck does this work <laughs> I, I don't get it at all so in the comics I don't get Spider-Verse I think it's stupid I think it's just to sell toys and tie-ins and it really didn't yeah um the idea is that like spider-man as a entity is tied in with the on the nose web of destiny and it links back to madam web and all this other shit but there's like this also destiny link race of like vampires that eat spiders and spider people yeah. who hunt them across the multiverse. Now, that in and of itself is stupid, if we go back but it could have made for a movie, and it's it's fine. Yep. I thought in that the this universe, like, the first one was just to sell toys and T-shirts, and they didn't really have a plot or a story for the second movie, and what they came up with is just, like, fucking bizarre. Yeah, I actually thought, and I mean, you mentioned that, uh, okay, so basically that idea of the the like alien vampires who hunt spider people was from the J. Michael Straczynski run where uh Peter was hunted by this this entity called Morlin and essentially right. essentially beat to death and then was essentially reborn within a month or two. It had some different powers and stuff. Uh the whole Spider-Verse thing came around where they I forget who wrote it. it. Might have been. I think it was during the ginormously long slot run. Uh, yeah, I think where, it was slot. Where they basically said that this Moreland guy had a family, and they were all like giant spider killers. So like every every spider character like teamed up to try to stop them from like wrecking the multiverse. Um, 
I thought the first story that they did with that, that Spider-Geddon thing, was actually pretty decent. And then the fact they just kept leaning on it and going back to it over and over and over again were like, okay, we the, the one was just fine. Okay. Um, you know, and the fact that it just became this thing, like you said, where they're just constantly trying to, like, sell toys and other shit was just, to me, at a certain point, was just like, okay, one of these was enough. Like, I read Spider-Geddon because it was part of the... Amazing Spider-Man run at that point. All the other stuff they've done has been segregated from it enough that I haven't really read any of it because mm-hmm. I just don't care. Um, but yeah, I mean, I I thought this movie was very pretty to watch, um, and I do like some of the you know some of the performances are okay, uh, but I don't I don't think it's a I think the thing for me with a lot of these animated movies is they're not generally really heavy performance lifts in any way. Mm-hmm. Um, I thought Nicolas Cage as Spider-Man Noir was pretty funny in the first one, and he's not... The other thing, and I get, you know, it seems, if you look at the the end of this one going into the third one, whenever the third one hits, it's supposed to be March of next year, but I think it's going to be later than that. Um, as I saw some stuff from a couple of the directors who have said that they're, you know, the third one's still being worked on, and Haley Steinfeld hasn't recorded recorded any dialogue yet so even they don't think that march release date is feasible especially with all mm-hmm. the writer stuff going on i don't think it's going to make that date anyway um i do th- yeah i think this movie is very pretty to look at and has some good ideas in it but maybe because they almost kind of felt like this movie had to be a stall to get to the second it doesn't really like, it opens up a lot of neat ideas that it either doesn't know how to execute or doesn't have any interest in, ex- in executing anything with them until the next movie hits. So, I, yeah. Um, so, yeah, I would, I've been talking a lot. So, what do you have in general terms? I mean, I just, I, you know, and when I say this, I, I mean it. Like, I just, I don't get it. Um, I don't really get how people are responding positively to it, aside from, you know, really on the nose emotional heartstring tugging and the colors were pretty and the soundtrack was good um like again if they if they use the the vampire family and like the stakes are oh we're hunting all the spider people and we just we have to keep them alive because that's basically what happened in spider-verse um sure but like this was you know the spider people that are basically there as fan service are the villains, even though the movie won't come out and tell us that anyone with any sense of how to write and, you know, an inkling of morality would immediately be like, Oh yeah, they're they're the villains. Um, I don't understand what the stakes are. I don't understand why spider people are important to their own universes, let, let alone the multiverse. Right. I don't understand the Canon event thing at all what necessitates one what creates one what stops one do they even have to be there for it um yeah you know i almost kind like of like in in any kind of multiverse story i mean you would have spider-man who you know one of them is a police captain one of them's the villain who killed the police like it doesn't mm-hmm. make sense for a universal constant and the yeah. fact that they come right out and say you know miles isn't a real quote-unquote spider-man He's not tied up in any of it, so there shouldn't be any destiny angle surrounding him. Well, I think you're you're gonna find out, like you said in the third movie, that there isn't because of that. They just didn't want to give you that at this point. They want 
they want you to get through another. No, I think in the third movie we're going to find out that there is, and then he's just going to save the day anyway. But it it's not going to make any yeah. sense with what they set up. Yeah, and th- there are you know there are. Uh, I think this is also because you know this is clearly a movie aimed at children way younger than us. You know, maybe that's why some of it is a little simpler. Uh, although I don't know how you. You know, the if the target audience for this is like ten to twelve year olds, I don't know how you keep their attention through that fucking Canada event explanation because I didn't even understand it. I mean, it doesn't seem like they did. The movie's not doing all that great after opening weekend. The other thing is, you know, obviously we we covered the Flash. That's going to air soon. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Um. For years, people have been joking that when Rick Cosnett's Eddie Thawne killed himself, you know, they're like, okay, he made a very emotionally charged decision in the moment and thought he was doing the right thing, but he very easily could have basically just shot himself in the dick or in the balls, and then he wouldn't have been able to have children. So mm-hmm. what this movie sets up, and we even see it with Gwen's father, like, there's no need for any of these cops to die. They can all just quit. Yeah. Uh, the other thing, too, you so said... So why isn't Miguel O'Hara just being like, you know, you're a cop, you have to quit now. Okay. <laughs> yep. The other thing you said is it, it it's not doing well outside of the first weekend. The other thing is because it's an animated movie and the costs are lower, I don't think it has to do as well because it doesn't have know. to do as well, but it still had a hundred fifty million budget. So right. all heard, in, it, it's probably around like three hundred. I read it was a hundred, not a hundred fifty. So I mean, I thought it was hundred fifty. All right, so if it's a hundred, mm-hmm. it, it needs to do. But again, like how much did the first one do? Because they expected this to, you know, probably 400, 500 plus. Yeah. I mean, it may, I mean, I think the first one topped out at like 375, somewhere in that range. This is, this is gonna go worldwide, really? Yeah. Let me, let me look it up while we're talking. I, I'm pretty sure it was somewhere around that because I did look it up beforehand. Uh, before going to see that's it, crazy. If that, I figured it was like 850 north no, of that, no, it was nowhere close to that, I don't think. And it, it actually, wow, made, this one actually made four times the opening weekend because it opened to 35 US. Uh, the first one did, uh, and tickets have doubled in the last five years. Yep, and this one opened to 120 uh, mm-hmm. US. So let me see if I can't find the uh for the first one uh into was the first one okay uh worldwide 384 wow i thought it was way more than that all right so this, it's probably this, right in line with that this is, going, this is going to kill that number uh because it's yeah. already let me look at what it's at right now as of as of i want to say probably tuesday this is at 328 and it hasn't even really yeah. opened. It hasn't even really opened internationally in a lot of places. It's only at 87 million worldwide outside of the U.S. So, oh, wow. yeah. So, I mean, I think this is gonna, you know, this will end up doing pretty well for what they spent on it. And really, I think that's. Yeah. I, also, I also kind of feel like this is all a platform to somehow do Miles in live action eventually. And this is where I. This is where I have the question. And let me know what, and I know you're not as much into the MCU recently as a lot of us are. Um, They did have another one of the live action bits this movie had is they had Donald Glover showed up. 
Um, yeah. And for anybody paying attention in Homecoming, he was Aaron Davis, who was the uncle of Miles Morales. He's in the right. he's in the parking garage scene where uh, Peter's using the 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 version of the Stark suit that gives him the bat voice, and it was like that whole thing about I'm not a boy, I'm a man, fuck you. Um, mm-hmm. And uh, and Donald Glover mentions having a nephew in the city, so like the seeds for live action Miles are there already. Um, and Sony has said that they're going to do that at some point. Uh, what I question is, you know, I think they managed to hit lightning in a bottle when they did the Tom Hardy Venom movies that have nothing to do with Spider-Man and those somehow work and, you know, Mm -hmm. varying degrees. I mean, for a lot of people, they're not actually great movies, but they've made a lot of money. And I enjoy them despite how stupid they kind of are. Um, I mm. think we we reviewed Carnage, didn't we? Yeah, we did. Yeah. Um, what I question though is if there, and I I fully support doing live action Miles at some point. I think that would be great. Uh, but what I question is, can they do live action Miles in a in a world where there is no Peter? Like I, uh, I don't think so. But you know. Yeah. I mean, if they're going to do it as part of the whatever their arrangement with the MCU continues to be, sure, but I also don't think they have any interest in killing off Tom Holland either. So like I don't know how you do that. Uh I mean, it sounds lately like Tom Holland might be backing off ever doing that again, uh which might actually and you know, far be it for me to say anything negative about the MCU in general, the last couple have tested that. Um, If Tom Holland doesn't do another Spider-Man movie for them, this thing is dead, because he's the last thing they've got that's going to get them anywhere. Yeah, Um, no, I agree with that. So, I mean, and he's... I saw stuff recently about, you know, he's talking about taking a year off from acting and stuff, which is fine. I mean, he's done a ton of stuff in the last few years. But he's also, while before the writer's strike and stuff, they were talking about, you know, their their discussions about the fourth movie for him. Now I'm seeing, mm-hmm. now I'm seeing stuff where he's saying, like, you know, if I like the script, we'll do it. It's got to be something on the level of, of uh, No Way Home or better for me to think about it. Where, you know, a couple months ago he was like, oh, yeah, we're absolutely doing that. That'll be great. Um, so I got to think Iger is about to shit a brick. Um, but, you know, but yeah, the, this was fun. I question, uh, I get why you needed the spot to do certain things in here. But but if if the whole big villain ends up being Miguel, like, what do you even need the spot for, really? Like, I guess... Because you couldn't introduce Miguel as the villain. Yeah, yeah. I mean, I guess you need it for the early parts, and it was a cool visual, too, which in a format like this makes a lot of sense to have, you know, stuff that's Mm -hmm. kind of visually striking in a way. Um, The other thing is if you're a fan of some of the the other characters that he befriended in the first movie... Most of them aren't here, uh, because no. <laughs> the pig, the the Japanese one shows up a little bit. Uh, the pig's not here. Spider-Man Noir's not here. Although they do show up in the in the last couple seconds, where you know, yeah. 
Oh, and here's the thing where here's the thing we left out. Okay, so the the cliffhanger is that Miles gets to the the machine that sends people back to whatever their home universe is, and he's expecting to go back to um, the universe he came from. But because the spider that bit him is not from that universe, uh, he ends up in the universe that that spider was actually from, which you realize, not initially, when he goes home and the, the uncle is there instead of the dad. And the uncle, oh, right, he's the prowler. And the uncle is clearly with, with the mom in this world, right? Mm-hmm. So then he just kind of gets... He volunteers to go do something with the uncle, which he assumes is criminal, which of course it is. Um, and then I think the uncle realizes that he's not right because he's acting kind of weird. And um, so then he ends up taking him down for a second, and uh, he woke he wakes up tied to a punching bag, and in walks that universe's Miles, who is the Prowler. And uh, yep. As the gauntlet at his head, as the, you know, his part of the movie ends, and then you, uh, Gwen was left a uh, one of their interdimensional movement things by. Oh, we never mentioned Spider Punk, did we? Um, no. Yeah, he's played by Daniel Kaluuya, and he uh, almost kind of stole this movie from me, even though I could never understand a single word he fucking said. Um, <laughs> that. That stuff was pretty funny, what little of it I could actually comprehend in the moment. Um, but yeah, so she assembles her own group of people that are spider people that are going to help her rescue him. Uh, mostly people from, it's her and Spider-Punk and all the, at least it's implied that all the people from the first movie that we liked will show up for that. Um, yeah. Seems like uh, the Jake Johnson role is going to be bigger in the second part. Uh, noir might actually show up in the second part. The pig might actually show up. So, yeah, I mean, I I was aware that this was going to be a two part movie, and the the theater I left, like people were pissed. Like I wonder, oh yeah, I can imagine. Yeah, I wonder if some of it was the the length. I think people were like assuming if it was this long, it was going to be the whole the whole story and whatever. Mm-hmm. But and you know they kind of dropped that from the marketing early on. I wonder if there was some, like, thought that maybe people wouldn't go to it if it was only half a movie or whatever. Yeah. Um, but, yeah, I mean, I enjoyed it. I just um, – I'll be interested to, after the second part comes out, to see how it hangs together if you watch – maybe not all at once because it's going to be super long in total. But um, if it all – how well it all hangs together with what whatever the second half actually does – um, you know, would be my big question because there, there are, as we said, a lot of really cool science fiction ideas. So it's just a question of what you're willing to do with those. Um, yeah. And you know, I, I question if if a lot of that stuff is going to be written to the level that that canon event stuff was. Go with God, because I was just, <laughs> I, I, I don't even know how to, you know, like I get time travel and all that shit. I'm a Doctor Who guy. I get it, but like. The way they were trying to explain this, I was just like, but it doesn't make any like, okay. No. <laughs> like why would a why would a police chief in particular be that important to every single Spider Man? Like 
But I did like, and I did like some of the references around this. Like, I think they actually showed comic pages from the issue where George Stacy died, which was mm-hmm. really interesting. Um, there are shots of Garfield and Tobey Maguire in this. Uh, they don't actually show up or anything, but there are shots of their prior films in here. Um, I would not be shocked, actually, if... Um, because the next one is called Beyond the Spider Verse, I would mm-hmm. not. I would not be shocked if there's a fairly significant live action component in this this next one. Um, you know whether they, and whether they end up in some sort of live action universe, and you see some big. There was apparently supposed to be some, from everything I've read, there was supposed to be a protracted live action fight sequence in this movie that they dropped. Yeah, it'll probably be on the next one. Yeah. And I've heard rumors that Tom Holland might actually show up in whatever the third one is. That's um, what people think, yeah. Yeah. I don't have much faith that they'll actually do that. I would think Feige would step in and be like, no. Uh, as he seems to be doing with a lot of that stuff. Um, but yeah, I mean, I would if you're any kind of fan of... of Spider-Man, I would suggest going to this if you're but I would assume if you are that you've already at least thought about that. Um I would maybe uh I would maybe suggest that it's not as fun as the first one was because there's a lot of, you know, there's a lot less humor, there's a lot more like focusing on emotional moments and stuff, which is fine. I'm not opposed to that, but like I was kind of expecting a little more humor given what the first one was and it's not mm-hmm. it's not devoid of that entirely but it's pretty fucking close um yeah no i mean this one is definitely more emotion driven and exposition driven yep and like all the all the funny characters from the first movie are i mean not i mean jake johnson's in maybe a half an hour um john mulaney is absent nicholas cage is absent entirely so like all the funny stuff from the first movie is largely gone and you know daniel kaluuya is kind of funny if you can understand anything he says uh spider-man india is pretty funny at points but it's mostly it's mostly set up and like you said emotional stuff setting up for payoffs that i'm sure they'll get to um so not you know on its own it's not on its own i would question how satisfying it actually is um but i think that's a that's a risky run with these kind of movies where you're doing where you're saying from the get go, it's going to be two films. Like how, how beholden are you to do that? And, you know, we, we, we've seen plenty of examples where the, the first movie is a relatively self-contained thing. And then it splits off into something else by the end, which leads to the second. This is very much like a two hour, 15 minute prologue for whatever the second half is going to be. Um, yeah, which I don't object to, but I almost kind of wish I'd known that's what it was going to be, because yeah, I didn't know that either. Definitely, yeah, because there were moments where I was just like, I'm enjoying looking at this, but can something happen, please? <laughs> like, I don't need another conversation about you know, and some of it too is I think because it's meant for twelve year olds. Like, as much as I enjoyed it, we are not in the we are not in the target audience for some of the messaging either. Like, there's yeah. And there's there's stuff that I had been if I had been thinking about it, you know, sets up sets up where it's going to go. Like there's a whole big 
speech he has with the mother about like, you know, the mother is telling him like, you're going to have a great life at some point and don't let anybody tell you you're not what you, you know, that you don't belong somewhere or that you're, that mm-hmm. your story is not worth telling or whatever. And if I had been thinking, I would have been like, oh, then that probably means there's going to be some question whether he should be Spider-Man or not, which is what this obviously posits. But then I was just kind of distracted by how pretty it was and wasn't really thinking about any of that. Um, And I'm sure that message lands more for a child watching this than it would have for me. Um, Like I said, I enjoyed it very much. Um, It's probably in my top five of the year at this point. Uh, I haven't put it on my list yet, so I don't know exactly where it sits, but I would guess it's going to be somewhere in there. Um, and I'm really curious to see what the next one does uh, whenever it finally is released and whether yeah. whether they might actually uh, do some other uh, animated spinoffs from this. I would, I would at least... There are some that if they did them, I'd probably at least think about going. Like if they... If it ends up that, you know, Miguel gets some degree of redemption from this or like maybe realizes how wrong he was and he starts trying to be a hero again or whatever like if they did a if they did a 2099 movie with oscar isaac i would i would sit through that you know mm-hmm. uh, but yeah i mean you know he's kind of he's in bed with marvel pretty strongly after the after moon knight and this so who knows what they could do there um yeah so i'll be I was way more into entertained by this than I expect I'm going to be by Craven the Hunter, or, or assuming that Madam Web thing ever happens, or any of that other shite they're talking about doing, um, which all just needs to go away, if you ask me. Like, how you're going to do a Craven the Hunter hero movie, I have no idea. Uh, I think that's, No. <laughs> I think that's our next uh, spider project, supposedly. I I thought that was supposed to come out in like January, but it's possible with all the dates being moved around. I have no idea what anybody's doing at this point. Dis- Disney just announced a bunch of delays because of the writers thing. So I don't yeah, know. at this point it's just wait and see. I'm sure most of it'll get shut down. Yep. So yeah, uh, enjoyable film. Uh, I it's hard. Like I said, it's hard to grade it because it's an incomplete it's an intentionally incomplete story so it's hard to really you know i enjoyed it i enjoyed it for what it is but it's it's almost going to be graded retroactively based on what the second half presents um and we can obviously reconvene whenever that is released and uh maybe some point before the third one comes out we'll go back and do the first um just because we never actually did that so maybe and maybe we can get some other people on that one as well. Um, and uh, as far as uh, stuff we have we're planning on doing in the near future, uh, like you said, you and Boris did that flash retrospective, which I might actually put out tomorrow um, just to get it out before the movie hits. Uh, mm-hmm. And then we'll find space for this one at some point, maybe next week. Um and uh, you and I will be seeing the Ezra Miller Flash. Uh, some I'm I'm actually planning on buying tickets for Saturday, so uh, we'll probably do that next week. I'm sure Milos will go. He goes to everything. Um, so I'm expecting a probably mildly entertaining train wreck. I'm not, not sure what your basic thoughts are going in. Um, but yeah, about that. You know, I personally 
can't stand the Ezra Miller version of this character. Um, and I haven't even watched the Flash show in like two years, but I still prefer Grant to him by light years, uh, which I don't feel like it's saying a whole lot. But um, I really dislike the his version of the character. And if they weren't doing what it appears like they're going to be doing in this movie, I wouldn't even bother. Like, uh, I'm I'm probably what not. What do you even... think it appears like they're going to be doing? I think it's going to be a half-assed version of Flashpoint. Um, you know, uh, self-contained to the movie, but not that it'll set up any new universe. Yeah, I mean, I don't. Uh, yeah, I mean, they're selling it like it's going to do that. I don't think it's going to do that. Because, I mean, I think it's being sold that way, whether that's what it actually does, because who knows, you know, given how long it took to get this movie made, I don't think by the time, you know, by the time James Gunn took the head job for them, I don't think it was possible to make any changes to it, you know, because he could have gone in and, like, had them do, if it was early enough in the production process, he could have said, oh, by the way, we're going to be... uh resetting all this and maybe if you could put a b and c into this movie that would help me but mm -hmm. i think it was done well before he took the job so like you are correct yep considering how much they already spent on it probably i highly doubt they're going to be like hey jimbo we'll reshoot some stuff for you um so it could be that you know maybe there are maybe there are post-credit scenes that he went out and did on his own that might set some stuff up that I would bet in the early screenings weren't even there. Uh, because... uh, there are post-credits, and that is not what happened. Right, but, I, but I'm... This, this movie is, is self-contained. But I'm wondering, too, sometimes they they add that stuff after the fact, and it doesn't come out if, until... If you knew who was in the post-credit, you would know this movie is self-contained. I'm sure it is, because I'm sure, you know, given... It actually, it might not even be a post-credit. It might just be the ending, because I know when they screened it, they didn't show the actual ending. Yeah, because apparently the... I've read a lot of stuff that said that the ending is such that they did not want it getting out ahead of release. Yep. Um, so I am very curious. I do not expect this to actually be good. Um, or it could be, but I'm guessing that my dislike of Ezra Miller will not make me hate it, but will not, will kind of, I freely admit that my dislike of Ezra Miller playing this character will probably color my views of it to some degree, and it depends on how he plays it in this film, but from what I've seen, I don't, you know, he was the worst thing about either version of Justice League for me. He's just such yeah. a, he's just such a spaz playing this character, and if they can if uh, Andy Muschietti can t tone that down somewhat and let him actually get into some of the other aspects of it, I'd like to see that. But And maybe he can do that. Maybe that's what this movie does. Um, I have a theory, and I'm pro I, I know I'm probably wrong, but I think the ultimate fan troll would be if they went not super close to Flashpoint, but... Since Affleck is in this movie, and I'm not spoiling anything, it's in all the ads and shit. Like, you know, if you've seen a trailer for this movie, you know he's in there somewhere. Um, to me, the ultimate fan troll would be if Keaton's playing Flashpoint Thomas Wayne, uh, uh, which I know they won't do, 
but he, I, sadly he's not. They yeah, should have, but, but they did. I would get a kick out of that if that's what they did, because I know. Oh, everybody would have. You know, yeah, obviously. Because I know that, like, I don't know if Justin's read Flashpoint, but I know he's a huge fan of the Keaton Batman. And I immediately was just like, yeah, what if what if he's playing Thomas Wayne? Like, and he was just like, yeah. no. But I was like, yeah, but if they're doing Flashpoint, that would make sense. And it actually justifies his age and everything. Um, I also, you know, I think my big thing is like when all the stuff with Miller started happening and, and we talked about this somewhere, I think in that state of DC show we did, like, why are they even bothering putting this out still? I have no like, idea, honestly. That's the, thing, that's the thing that kills me. Like, it's clearly going to have, from everything they're describing, it's clearly going to have all this stuff setting up this new version of Supergirl that they're never going to use again because mm-hmm. Gunn has his own ideas for that. I'm Like, there's going to be a Supergirl movie in his universe. I'm guessing it's not going to be this girl. Um, you know, so, like, it's going to have all this stuff. And I almost kind of wonder, like, Justin's idea was that because they're going to try to minimize how much Miller is in it, it's actually going to be a Keaton Batman movie. I'm like, no, he's not. He's in, like, every scene of the fucking movie. Like, they were, that was the argument for why they couldn't just reshoot it with Grant Gustin, because Miller's in every scene, like, twice. Yeah. So, I don't know, you know, I'm just really curious as to how this is going to work. I don't think it's going to work at all and it's going to be an absolute nightmare and it's going to be really fun to talk about. I think Um, I'm also planning on seeing transformers this weekend. Um, I know you saw that. I know you have some thoughts on it. Um, I think Milos did as well. So maybe some group of us will do that in a week or two. Um, Corey and I will be going to see that new Pixar movie on Sunday because she wants to do something that will, take her mind off of Father's Day, which we both hate now. Mm-hmm. Um, her more so than me. It's been a good couple of years now. So, uh, yeah, and we have your that Flash ret- retrospective that you guys did. I think I'll probably put that out tomorrow. Um, and then we have a lot of other plans. I think once Brent comes back, we should probably maybe finally do Two Towers and Return of the King, because otherwise he's going to kill us. Because uh, <laughs> it's been a while. <laughs> Because we were supposed to do those a while ago, and uh, yep. I almost have to watch them again now because I watched them like a good six months ago. Because that's when we were originally going to do them. But uh, yeah, so this was a fun one. I'm glad we were able to do something for this. I know not a lot of us actually saw this yet. I know uh, Milos and Boris were waiting for home video because they don't like the European dub jobs for these. So mm-hmm. um, I think. Though would have been an interesting conversation if they were in on it because they're both less comic verse than we are and can look at these this thing in terms of what works or doesn't in an actual movie rather than how it relates to the comic book of it all. But you know, maybe we'll do a take two on it when it hits home video or something. I don't know. Um, so yeah, thank you for joining me for that. We'll get this published soon enough. Um, Sounds good. Yeah. All right, man. Nice. All right, man. Have a good one.